Hey friends, and welcome to Mindful Moments with Nina. I'm your host, Nina. As an empath, social worker, and new to the world of content creating on YouTube, I noticed I had a lot of things to say. My long rants about mindfulness and positivity deserve a space of their own. So, here it is. Thank you for being here. Disclaimer, please know that this podcast by no means substitutes professional help. If you feel you're struggling, please reach out to friends or family so you can get the help you deserve. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Mindful Moments with Nina. These are the moments where I share a little bit about my life, a little bit about my advice, and we learn from each other. So, thank you for being here. (laughs) I did a post on my Instagram. By the way, if you haven't checked out my Instagram, it's linked in the description. You can check it out. And I did a poll asking what kind of topics you would be interested in hearing about. And there were interesting ones, so I will do a few of the ones I read. Um, But I'm going to start first with the one that was about my experiences as a social worker. So like I've shared before, I am a social worker. I did my bachelor's and I did my master's degree in social work. I have five plus years of experience working. And funny thing is that I always wanted to work with children. I feel like I'm very sensitive. So I was like, I don't want to work with people that are really sick or just very emotionally difficult situations but you know that was me as a student thinking you know as if I could pick and choose but as life usually is that wasn't God's plan and still isn't because even though I've changed jobs and still in the social work field I always ended up working with terminally ill patients It was something that really changed me as a person because it it really opened my eyes to how fragile life is and it just, I don't know, it shaped me and I think, you know, obviously there were sad moments but it shaped me in a beautiful way and even though I thought I would never be able to work in that specific scenario, I surprised myself. I actually was able to do it and I was doing a good job and I was able to evolve as a person. And, well, I, I don't regret it. I, I think that's just my calling, even though I, I thought I would always work with children. And I, I'm still... You know, I can I can still do that, but at the same time, I feel that somewhat I belong in in kind of like that scenario of clinical and terminal patients. Um, so the experience I'm going to share was I was working at a dialysis clinic. It was about a few years ago, well, quite <laughs> years ago, and. I had just freshly graduated from my master's 
So I actually started working part-time while I was finishing my master's degree. And after I graduated, that's when you can get the social work license, I got offered like a full-time position. And it was very interesting because obviously I gathered experience while being a part-time, but it wasn't the same as working on my own because eventually the person that was there um, just quit and basically I was left to fend for myself. But I think part of like life is that when you're in a difficult situation, when you're in a pickle, is when you can truly understand your talents and your gifts. And even though there were very difficult moments that I was like, am I even qualified for this? Do I know what I'm doing? I still carried on and I tried my best and what the things that I didn't know, I would ask. The things that I wasn't sure about, I would study. And I think that's how you you make sure that you do a good job just by staying humble and asking for help when needed. So I decided to like separate these stories in four sections or kind of like four topics. Okay, so for the first one, I decided that I would share a very stressful situation. As a social worker, my job is... To work the different aspects of the patient. Aspects I mean like emotional, financial, social. It, it requires everything. So I would help them not solve their issues because they were terminally ill patients. They were dialysis patients. I would help them manage and carry certain feelings that would come with all of it. But at the same time, I was also in charge of scheduling their medical appointments, scheduling their medication refills, transportation. And I remember one time, I think, because they they offer dialysis also on Saturdays. And I remember that I was in the car with my mom and we were just driving around. It was Saturday. And I get this call from the clinic and they're like, this patient doesn't have ambulance approved. He won't be able to come to treatment. Like if he's not, and he doesn't come, he's already really sick. So there I am in the car with just my phone. And usually to request approval for an ambulance, like to drive them to dialysis is, is very complicated because there's a lot of fraud going on. So medical insurances are very weary when it comes to that. I just remember that I was like, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to get this patient from his house to treatment and from treatment back to his house? And I felt a little bit overwhelmed, but I think I had been working by then maybe like one or two years. So I was kind of already uh, fine-tuned to, to handling that type of stress. And I remember that basically, and this is one of the important things in life, I think you should always be kind to everyone. It doesn't matter because sometimes people are like, oh, I'll be kind to the rich people. I mean, no, be kind to everyone and not because you you will get something out of it. It's because everyone deserves to be treated in a very nice way. So I think that really helped me because I created different bonds with people, you know, like 
janitors and drivers and doctors. It, it didn't matter their rank. So I remember I, I called one of the ambulance companies and I explained the situation. I'm like, hey, do you think you could help me out with this? And once I'm in the office, I'll do the paperwork and I'll make sure that you get paid. And, you know, they were like, let me ask the boss. Let's see what we can do. And after a few like minutes, like 20 minutes, which felt like an eternity to me, they were like, yeah, I, we can do it. We can do it. And I was like, okay. Okay. And it was done and it was solved and like everything in life, you know, I, I I don't expect like a thank you. I was just happy that it was solved and everything was was done. So that was stressful especially just being that I was out of the office. The second um story I guess I would share would be a scary a scary situation. So I'm 5'9", um, I'm tall, but I'm, I'm skinny. So I'm not like the strongest person. <laughs> and I remember that this patient, he, you know, and obviously because of HIPAA law, I'm not going to share like their name or anything else. Um, but that, this person had issues with like drug use and alcohol, a lot of emotional issues, he tended to be very angry and frustrated. And I remember I was in my office and I got I got called out from my office to go into the clinic, you know, go inside because the patient was trying to punch a nurse. I don't Yeah, I just know I got a call and they're like this patient's trying to punch the nurses, like you need to come out here. And I'm like, I remember I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm a strong person, I'm brave, I got this, I'm not showing fear. So I walk up to him and I'm like, what's going on? And he didn't talk to me. Like, he, he didn't say anything. And I'm like, why are you trying to hit the nurses? Like, they're trying to help you. Why are you doing this? And I remember that I, I saw him clench his fist. Like, literally, he turned his hand into a little ball, just ready to swing it at me. And I was scared. I was like, if this guy hits me, even though he's like attached, he's connected to the dialysis machine, he could hurt me. Like, that's going to be a hard punch. But something in my mind was like, don't show fear. So I tell him in a very calm voice and I'm like, unclench that fist. Unclench that fist. And I stared him dead in the eyes, and I was like, we're here to help you. If you don't want help, then I suggest you talk to the doctor and consider if you even want to be here. But if you do, you need to start respecting the people that are trying to help you. And he calmed down. We talked about it. He said that when they had put in the needles, like it had hurt, and I... I I do understand that. I understand that it's hard going three times a week to get probed and poked and pulled. Um, so I was like, let's talk to the nurse and let's see, you know, if we can add some ointment that will like numb the area. Let's try to find a solution. And what I learned from that is, from that experience, is that everyone deserves to be heard. Because obviously, like, my reaction could have been, like, go there aggressive and, like, you know, scare him. 
I went there trying to bring peace. You know, when I saw that he was going to <laughs> pick violence, I instead, you know, said in a very, very calm voice. Because I could have reacted like with anger or fear or scream. But when you're in control, people sense that and eventually they they give in, they understand. And that's what happened. He He just let go, he became vulnerable, and he shared what was going on. So, yeah, that was quite an experience. <laughs> and, yeah, we have two more. For the third story, um, it's, it's a sad story. Obviously, in dialysis, there's a lot of sad stories. Uh, you know, I've had spouses that have just ran into my office and hugged me because, like, you know, her husband just died. And um, I remember, I'm tearing up. <laughs> I remember that there was this patient that I really, really cared about. He reminded me a lot about um, my dad, kind of just like physically and the cute little personality. And he only spoke English. He was very quiet and shy. And people always say, no, he never talks. And I... <laughs> I would always um, speak to each patient um, during their shift, like, how are you? How's it going? Just like chit-chat. And in the beginning, with this specific patient, he wouldn't talk to me. He'd be like, mm, yep, mm. And then I, I started changing my tactic. I started just talking to him about like, oh, so you know this movie I saw? And like I talked about the movie, and I was like, I wasn't feeling that good, but I watched this movie, and it helped me. And he was like, really? And I'm like, yeah, when I'm sad, I watch like funny movies. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do that. And when he saw that I just wasn't some chick with a master's degree in social work and a lab coat, I was someone that also had feelings and also felt sad. And I, I shared that with him and he opened up and you know, we got to talking more. He really looked forward to our conversations. And a few months later, he got really sick. He had to go to the ICU. And he couldn't talk anymore. I, I think I, he had a stroke. And I remember that, you know, he didn't know his name. He couldn't talk. And I, the hospital was nearby from the dialysis clinic, so I, I went, and I went to his room, and I'm like, hi, like, like, I always greeted him, and I could see in his eyes that he remembered me, like, they lit up, and I just talked to him, and I said, like, oh, we miss you, you know, at the clinic, and just wanted to say hi, sorry, and a few days later, he passed away. I, I think about him a lot, you know? I think about my patients a lot. I don't know why um, each time I see butterflies, I think about them. And yeah, 
it was it was a really humbling experience to to be allowed into someone's life when they're like so guarded and and that you know I hope you know and I think that I meant something in in his life you know I did maybe a small impact in his life and when he recognized me cuz the nurse was like oh like he recognizes you like he, it just it just made clear that i want to be a light in life i want to work hard that no matter the difficult situations that happen i want to be a light and i want to bring kindness and love and that was that was like the turning point for me okay <laughs> let me get it together for the last story it would be a very beautiful i guess like a beautiful and meaningful um moment so i had a a very so the truth is kidney disease doesn't discriminate it, people think like oh if i drink or if i'm old like has nothing to do with it obviously like if you don't take care of yourself if you already have kidney issues and you're not taking care of yourself you could end up in dialysis and what happened with one of my patients is because of another health condition and the medications that was supposed to help her her kidneys got affected and she was in dialysis and i remember that she was she was 17 years old. She was so cute. She was so short and she had really curly hair and she had this giggle to her. It was just infectious. It was it was so like it, it would make you laugh. And I just I was like this could be like my little sister. Like she is so young and I remember that so for dialysis patients Basically, you know, the only two treatment options would be either dialysis or a kidney transplant. And, you know, just because you get a transplant is not a cure, but that's what most patients that do qualify um, and have medical clearance aspire to because it gives them the freedom for, for a few years to be able to not depend on a machine. So I remember, you know, I talked to her and I was like, hey, the doctor thinks you'd be a good candidate. And she was young. She didn't have, like, family to support her. Um, and I was like, if you're interested, I can help you. Like, we can make this happen. And that's what we did. We got all the paperwork. She went to all the appointments. Like, I was making sure that she was on top of it. And she was doing a great job. Like, she was being really responsible and I think it was maybe a year later that someone told me, they're like, did you hear? Like, she got the call. And then she got the call. It means that transplant program called and they're like, we have a kidney for you. Like, we need you here right now. And I just felt so grateful. Like, I'm getting goosebumps saying it now. I was like, yes, yes. And obviously, I wanted all my patients to be able to get you know, a transplant, but obviously someone so young 
you know, I want her to be able to like go out with friends and go to the movies and not have to like worry about going to treatment. And a few days later, (laughs) I'm in my office and I hear someone like limping to my office and it was her. And I don't know if a few days later, wait, let me fix this. I think it was like a few weeks or like two weeks later because that's like a heavy surgery. So she she comes over limping to my office. Her hair is like a mess. She looks like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's a major surgery. Like it hurts no matter how much medication. And she had, she showed me the scar and she's like, we did it. And I just felt so happy. So, so happy for her. It's kind of amazing because I feel people get lost so much in their selfishness. And not in a mean way. Like, obviously people, you know, I want to be happy. I want to have this. I want to have that. But, like, to feel happy for someone else is the best feeling ever. And obviously because of, you know, HIPAA law and just because I want to create, you know, two different worlds between my professional and personal life. Um, it's been years later, so obviously I don't have contact with these patients anymore, but they're always on my on my mind. I always pray for them. I always think about them. I like to think that, you know, some that have passed are maybe even, like, protecting me and watching over me. But it, it's been a lot. <laughs> It's been a lot, and I don't regret any moment. I don't regret anything. I knew that I wanted to work with helping people since the fourth grade. So, you know, here's, what what was I, like, nine or ten years old? Saying, like, I want to help people. Like, I I was clear with my mission in life. And, you know, sometimes I do get burned out, and that's why I'm currently switching you know, taking a little break and trying to work in the teaching field. But my soul is a social worker and I know I will return to it and I will always gravitate towards it. So I hope that, you know, the career path or your hobby or your life choices lead you to things that come naturally to you, that you love doing, even though it's still work and will still be stressful, but I feel so blessed for the good and the bad. And these are my stories. I have I have more of them. But I think these are like the ones that stick out and even years later I still remember. So, yeah. <laughs> That's all. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for hearing my stories. If you guys have any interesting stories of your own, you guys know that you can DM me and Yeah, see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for being here.